1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our guys at MyBookie, where you can still use the promo code UGA when you create your brand new account at mybookie.ag to get a 100% bonus on that initial deposit. So make sure to take advantage of this while you still can. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. I'm your host, Tyler, and back with me once again, as she is each and every week for these Mailbag episodes, is my coach, Charlie, the star of the podcast. So, Charlie, I hear there's a big game here in town this weekend?
2: Some might say that. That's
1: the word on the street right now? Don't tell me that you are one of those fans, Charlie, that has sold their tickets to this game. Please do not tell me you no, have sold your have tickets. No, I not.
2: If I did, I would sell them to a Georgia fan. I can so, understand people wanting to make a few bucks. No,
1: I, I don't begrudge you in wanting to make, hey, it's your, it's, it's your investment. If you want to make money on it, hey, by all means, do what you want to do. Where I do begin to have a little bit of an issue with this, is for a game of this magnitude, when you allow the enemy into the stadium. and Imagine if you were a Georgia fan, Charlie, as you are, and you're sitting there in the stadium, in Sanford Stadium, one of the biggest games in the history of Sanford Stadium, and then you have a... Then pops down a big old Tennessee fan right next to you. Big, loud, obnoxious Tennessee fan. When you paid all that money for these tickets, how would you feel about that?
2: I mean, I wouldn't like it. You wouldn't like
1: it. it. Right, exactly. So if you want to sell them, I get it. But guys, please try. Please, please, please try to sell your tickets. If you are so inclined to sell them, which is your right, please try to sell them to a very nice Georgia family who is going to do their part inside San Francisco Stadium on Saturday. I mean, again, I can't tell you what to do with your money. I get it. It's yours. I got it. But please, please, as a Georgia fan, I'm coming to you humbly to ask, do not sell your tickets to to Tennessee fans. You do not want to see what we did to Notre Dame inside their stadium. You don't want to see that happen to us inside our own stadium in a game of this magnitude. So please, if you're so inclined to sell them again, try, try your best. Before you go to the StubHub route, whatever, try to sell them to some Georgia fans. If you're having trouble with that, I know plenty of people that can put you in touch with, that can try to help you do that. But we do have one hell of a big game in town this weekend. And as you might expect, with that being the case, all the hype surrounding this game, the vast majority of our questions this week are looking forward to Saturday's matchup with Tennessee I mean, the questions came flooding in since basically like right after the clock hit zero in Jacksonville. As soon as I hopped on Twitter for a second, they were already rolling in. So this is one of those weeks where we just don't have time to get to every question. You know, not without a a 10-part series, and we don't have enough time for that. And I hate that. I wish we could answer every single question, but we're going to try to get to as many as we can There were quite a few questions that did hit on the same topics as other questions. Some overlap there. So if we don't use your specific question and we don't say your name, I promise you we are not playing favorites. Please do not be offended there. We're trying to spread the love as much as we possibly can. We just went with the first one that was sent in. And with so many questions being sent in, I know a lot of you sent in multiple questions, which we appreciate, we love that, but we tried not to use the same person more than one question, because again, we did have so many questions this time around, so just want to put that disclaimer out there, don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, we try to spread the love as much as we possibly can, definitely not trying to play favorites, that's certainly not the intention there, but Charlie, we have a lot of questions to get to, there is a very strong Tennessee flavor to these questions, I think in fact almost all of them you can say, are related in some way, shape, or form to this game against Tennessee inside Sanford Stadium this weekend. So do we want to start there? Do you got anything you want to add? I
2: actually want to start with Auburn. Auburn. Fired today. So just for, you know, one or two minutes, what do you think is going to happen at Auburn? Now, they are signing a contract for Mississippi State's athletic director. Did you see how
1: much money they're paying him?
2: I did not. But he One point five million
1: a year. That's
2: a lot. We he will become the next athletic director at, at Auburn. Auburn. So what do you think will happen Mike Leach. Mike Leach. (laughs) No, I don't
1: know. You You know, know, a
2: lot of people are saying, oh, well, they're going to go hire Dan Mullen. He's not coaching right now. He had a good relationship with him in Mississippi State. You can't because he just got fired because he can't recruit.
1: It's like when South Carolina hired Muschamp after he got fired from Florida. You know, that was always like... The South Carolina fan base, they tried to get behind that, but they were never really behind that higher. And when the when the fan base is not really behind you, like you've seen with Brian Harts at Auburn, it's only a matter of time. You're just not going to be successful. you got to have everyone all in, and I, I don't think you can do that. Did you see? Uh, I know your boy Sam Pittman, they allegedly, Auburn, tried to go after Hunter Yurchick, the AD at Arkansas, and offered him a big bag too, and Arkansas ponied up. Gave him an extension, so they kept him allegedly. Allegedly, well, nobody
2: wants to deal with those boosters at Auburn. Well, I
1: think that's why they had to pay this guy 1.5 million. Well, yeah, it's like a four hundred thousand dollar raise for what was gonna pay to Mississippi State. And of course, Mississippi State's not gonna match that. It's kind of like, oh, okay, sure, whatever, we'll find somebody else that can do your job. I mean,
2: I don't want that head, I wouldn't want that kind of head. Yeah,
1: I would say if I was the guy that you're coming to, and you're saying, hey, we want you, I would say, you gotta pony up, man, because the headache I'm gonna have to deal with. Like, I don't even know if I can actually run this department because you've got all the boosters that are running wild around here. So we'll see who he ends up hiring. I, I get why people might say Dan Mullen, but no, I don't see that happening. Okay, My, if you
2: were Auburn, who would you hire? Who would you try to go get? Top three picks.
1: Lane Kiffin, number one. He's a pro, He's proven it in the SEC. And he's proven to be able to do it without top talent. Like at, Mississippi, at Ole Miss, you do not get the best players in the country. No. You do not. In Auburn, you're always going to be an Alabama shadow. No matter what they want to think, you're never going to recruit like Alabama. You're just not. Like, maybe if you got Kirby Smart, maybe, maybe. But it's very unlikely that you have that kind of guy. And so you have to have a guy that has a scheme and has a system that can win with, I don't want to say lesser talent. It kind of is lesser talent, but it's not like Ole Miss doesn't have good players, but that's proven that he can manage a transfer portal, can win with, can get some guys here and there, some top-rated guys, but can win with – maybe not necessarily a, a roster full of five stars. You saw the just went into A and M and I mean everyone's being AM this year, but beat you know, he made it very clear in the post game press conference or post game um discussion there, I guess, on the field with I guess it was a press conference, I guess that's what you call that. But he made it very clear that like, hey yeah, we just went in here, not bad, ran for almost four hundred yards as a bunch of former five stars. So I think Lane Kiffins to be number one. You would like that. Well no, actually you would hate that because then you couldn't even like remotely would you still cheer for Lane? Would you still like have a soft spot for him if he was at all I'm not Auburn? very
2: happy with him after college, why? After the video from this past weekend. Which one? When he's yelling at the Texas player, telling him to go sit down because they're little B-words.
1: Oh, I missed that.
2: You haven't seen that? It's been I everywhere. I that,
1: Charlie. can remember. I go to a social media blackout for the most part no, during the weekends. No, it was something
2: weekends. like, um, why don't you just lay down and fake an injury? Something, something, something. I think he was oh, b B-word.
1: Oh, he said the B-word? Yeah. I thought he was like laughing. I, know That's have I, I haven't families, seen I've heard somebody mention I know we have that.
2: some families that listen to this in the car, so I'm sorry. So
1: you have to say B word. B word. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Family friendly show. Um yeah, I didn't I, I kind of I heard about that vaguely, but I didn't see the details. So you're mad at him?
2: I don't think that it's appropriate to talk to an eighteen year old or a nineteen year old or a twenty when you're an authority figure. At uh, no. Okay. Not I okay. that was,
1: Yeah, but he's dead to you now because of one comment?
2: No, but like, I'm upset oh, he's him. in
1: timeout. You're putting Lane in timeout. He's in
2: timeout.
1: High-out. So who's, who's in elevated in your in your coach's power ranking? Sam? Your boy Sam? Is he at the top now? I
2: mean, he's always. At the top? At the top. I mean, he's close up there.
1: Okay. He's a nice man. I think you have a thing for Sam Pittman. Okay.
2: Well, he's a nice man.
1: All right. I'm just saying. It's not I'd... hard to be nice. He's a nice guy. You have a thing for nice guys. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So I would go Lane number one. Uh, I know this sounds crazy because he has the background, you know, with the issues with hookers, yes. Um, Hugh Freeze, Charlie. Hugh Freeze, at yeah. Liberty. No, nope,
2: wouldn't touch that.
1: But it's Auburn. It's Auburn. I, I, I would not touch that because I would not want – I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I just wouldn't want the baggage that comes with that. But it's Auburn, Charlie. Do they care about those things? They do not care about those things. So I think they'll look very closely at Hugh Freeze. I don't know. I mean, you have to find somebody. Is this If I have a blank check and I can get whoever I want –
2: I mean, who would you try to go get as your top three?
1: I think Lane Kiffin. I think after Brian Harsin, you can't go outside the SEC footprint. After that, just failed that failed as spectacularly as it did. So I think Lane. Prob. I know this is not technically SEC footprint, but he does have a background in the SEC. I, I I think Hugh Freeze would be a good hire there. What about your boy Sam, program builder? I mean, but he, I think Sam only works at Arkansas. I don't know if Sam what he does transfers outside not of that put up job. With
2: those boosters. He, that that's,
1: that's. I think not, he's unique. He loves that state. He loves that school. I think he's unique to that school. I think he
2: could do well at Auburn, but the boosters would have he's to go. He's a player's coach. But see, I don't think – and I don't blame him. I wouldn't be willing to put up with that.
1: I think. Absolutely I think they're going to have a really hard time finding someone after what's happened the past couple coaches. I, I think they're going to have a tough time getting who they want. I, I think they're going to have – I mean, they had to settle for Brian Harson, Let's be real. They settled for Brian Harson, They're going to have to settle again. Do they go after Kevin Steele, the guy the Boosters wanted when they when they fired Gus Malzahn? I, mean, I don't think that will happen because this AD is going to have a say in the hire. I don't know. I think this guy's a, this SC, this AD's got SEC ties. I think they saw what happened when they went outside the SEC footprint. I think they're going to stick within that footprint. I just don't know who it's going to. be. I don't know who they're going to be able to get, Charlie. I really don't. I mean, do you th- do you take a look at Bill O'Brien, Alabama's offensive coordinator? Do you take a look at him? He's got college experience sure at I Penn State. I want to
2: take a coordinator.
1: But he's got head coaching experience both the NFL and at Penn State. Mm,
2: but that's...
1: It was a while ago. I get that. Yeah. But, I mean, I think you look at him. Again, I don't think they're going to be the first choice. I think they're going to have to... I don't think they can be selective with who they hire. Do they go after Do they go after a, um, a coordinator right now? You don't think any coordinators? I... Do they go after Dan Lanning?
2: I mean... That that
1: would be a home run hire. That'd be a home run hire for them. Like if I, if honestly, I swear to God, if I was, you know what, Charlie, he's on my list. Put Dan Lanning on there. I go after Dan Lanning. If you want the Kirby Smart, Nick Saban protege, you go and you get Dan Lanning, the guy that's going to recruit. Now is he going to recruit as well as Alabama? Schumann's. I think I I was going to. I I was actually going to say Schumann, but I think well if
2: you're not going to take a we Well, go get Dan Lanning. If you're not, if you
1: like, he's. At least a little bit more experience than Glenn as a defense coordinator. He's got a year of head coaching experience. I think he could do a lot worse than Dan Lanning. I think he might take that job to get back on, to get back over here in the Southeast. I think there's a strong chance he might take that job. So I don't know if he's going to be their first choice. I would look at him very closely. I haven't seen that name mentioned. I only now, granted, I saw this like two hours ago, but I would, uh, I would take a look there for sure. But uh, all right, is that good enough, Auburn talk for you?
2: Good enough because we now. got,
1: we got a big game, Charlie. All
2: right, well, let's dive into the Georgia-related questions. Our first question comes from All CFB. He wants to know, or she wants to know, is this definitely the he. biggest game in Sanford boy, Stadium Sam. history?
1: I've been, I, I mentioned this a little bit at the end of the recap show, so I think this question might have been sent in before that was out to everybody, but just to reiterate for those who might not have heard me talk about it, it was at the very, very end. I've been, over the past week or so, racking my brain. Because obviously I knew if we beat Florida and Tennessee, did their thing against Kentucky, which we both did, that this was going to be a potential one-versus-two matchup. I've been racking my brain trying to think, okay, at least in my lifetime, in my like conscious awareness, has there been a bigger game in Sanford Stadium? And Charlie, I thought of a couple games, 2004, all our LSU comes into town, right? David Green just goes wild, goes ham, just dropping yeah. bombs on him. That was a huge game, obviously, but I think in that game, LSU wasn't even the top 10. I think they're like number 11 or something like that. Um, obviously, the 2008 blackout game is Alabama was very heavily hyped. That did not work out so well for us. Was heavily hyped coming into it. 2015 Alabama game and the, and the pouring rain was very heavily hyped coming into it. Obviously, again, did not work out so well for us. 2013 LSU and South Carolina both were huge, huge games, big environments, but nowhere near this. The 2018 Notre Dame game obviously had a lot of hype, a lot of lead up, but it wasn't a one versus two matchup. I, I don't. I tried to look this up. I wasn't able to find. I can't say definitively. But to my knowledge, I do not think there has been a one-versus-two matchup inside Stanford Stadium. And even if there has, let's say way back when there was a one-versus-two matchup at some point that I'm not aware of. and somebody, Some of you guys might know, you might be a UJ football historian and go back way longer than I do. and You can correct me, I'm open to that. I just, As far as I'm aware of, I don't think there's been a one-versus-two matchup. And even if there has been somewhere along the way... This game not only is one versus two, it's two undefeated teams with SEC East implications, which means there's SEC title implications. If there's SEC title implications, then there are college football playoff implications. If there are college football playoff implications, there are national championship implications here. The loser of this game, Charlie, is not going to Atlanta, and that puts you very much behind the eight ball. We'll see the first college football playoff rankings uh, tomorrow night, actually. And we'll see how it plays out there. But, I mean, Charlie, if we lose this game and we do not play in Atlanta, and you have Alabama and Tennessee both in Atlanta, and let's say Alabama beats Tennessee in that rematch, and you have three SEC teams in there with one loss, and let's say even if two SEC teams get in like last year, are we one of those two teams? I would argue probably not.
2: Well, I mean, you just never know what the committee is going to predict.
1: Well, you don't know, Charlie, but I think you can speculate here and say, okay. Well, if Alabama beats Tennessee in a rematch, and they have, end up with one loss. If they win the SEC title, just like last year, they're going to be in the College World Playoff. They put a premium on those champion, on those conference championships. If Tennessee loses that game, well, they only have one loss. That's to Bama, a team that they did already beat, and they also beat Georgia when in Athens when we were number one. So, if there were two SEC teams that were going to get in, if there was a non-conference champion that's going to get in, it's going to be Tennessee over us if they beat us here in Athens. Yeah. I mean, we would, if we lose this game, we're going to have to hope that Tennessee beats Alabama again. And then maybe, because Alabama would have two losses, then maybe yeah. we would be the second one in, potentially. But it is, as far as I am concerned, I, I Sam, I'm with you, man. I think this is definitively the biggest game in the history of Sanford Stadium. And guys, this stadium ain't young. It goes back a minute, right? So, just an absolutely epic matchup in this one. It's not, the, you know, we've talked about our, our hatred for Tennessee, Charlie. But Georgia and Tennessee have not played every year traditionally, that's like a past like thirty-ish year thing, so it's not like a traditional rival going back to like with the Deep South oldest rivalry with Auburn and Florida, but this has become a rivalry in the SEC. So I think yeah, I think it has to be the biggest game in Sanford Stadium. There's a ton of big games. We played some big games, but the you know the, honestly the fact that we play Florida and Jacksonville every year, like some of those games in the past, you could make the argument for biggest game in Sanford Stadium history if they were played in Sanford Stadium, but that has never been the case. So with all of that. I'm going to say, yeah, I think this is the biggest game in the history of the stadium.
2: Okay. Well, the next few questions deal with Tennessee's offense. So, Jonathan would like to know – there's a few questions here. Can you keep track?
1: I'm going to try. Jonathan
2: wants to know, what makes Tennessee's offense so dangerous? How does it compare to the 2019 LSU offense – and is Tennessee's offense as good as that LSU offense back in 2019 when they went undefeated and won the national championship?
1: All right, so multi-part question. This is a great question here. This is from Jonathan. Okay, yes. appreciate it, Jonathan. So I with some of the scheme questions, I know we have quite a bit of those today, and it makes a lot of sense. I'm definitely going to talk about them, but we have so many questions today that I'm going to try to get through as many of them as we possibly can. So I'm, I'm going to try to do what Charlie wants me to do every single episode and not make her roll my eyes, use her – famous economy of language i'm gonna to try to be very economical here um because i will talk a lot more in depth with the scheme stuff on the preview episode later on this week so we'll get more of that but just real quickly here jonathan what is it that makes a tenancy offense so dangerous it's really three things it's tempo spacing and you've got to throw talent in there right i've always said for them it's it's tempo and, and spacing that's what their scheme is based off of. But they have some seriously talented players on this offense right now. So those three things there, those three factors have made for a lethal combination for Tennessee when I say spacing what they do guys I mean we talked about this last year when we played them we're gonna talk about it more next week. we talked about it a little bit last week but they space the field so well it's like the Art Riles Baylor style of offense is really where it comes from like his version of the air raid where they put their wide receiver splits basically on the sideline like they are standing if you watch them play guys their receivers are standing as far Apart as close to the sideline as they possibly can while not being out of bounds. And at the college level with the hash marks, it makes it very difficult. I mean, obviously they have hash marks in the NFL, but the hash marks in the NFL are much closer, right? The hash marks are wider at the college level, which means if you're on a far hash and you have a receiver on, he's to the field and he's split out all the way, basically on the sideline, almost touching white out there it spreads your defense out tremendously. And that does a couple of things for the offense. It puts the defense in a bind for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's harder to give help over the top, especially when you are, you have a receiver to the field there and he's split out as far as he is. So you have a lot more, you create a lot more one-on-one opportunities for your receivers. Number two, the defense has to declare more, right? So, you know, when you have all your guys in a box there, like let's say you have six, seven, eight guys sitting there in the box and it's in a it's like in a phone booth well you the offense doesn't really know who's coming but when the defense has to spread out so much to cover all these different receivers they have to show who is coming. So if you're a star defender and the slot receiver is split out as far as he is out there, even though he's still in the slice, split out far further than the typical slot receiver is, well, then you're going to have to show it's much more easy for the, uh, it's much easier for the quarterback, Hinton Hooker in this case, to identify that, oh yeah, okay, the star defender is coming on a blitz. If the safety's blitzing, it's easier to identify that because everything's all further spread out. So, It makes it really difficult on the defense. It puts a lot of stress on them. And then with the tempo they run at, you kind of have to simplify things because they go so fast, communication becomes extraordinarily difficult. Now, this is one area where I'm very hopeful that our crowd noise and this is why we don't need to be selling tickets to tennessee fans we need all the georgia fans in there that we can possibly have our crowd noise hopefully can affect their communication and and maybe slow them down just a notch i mean they're still gonna go fast that's what they do but it's easier to go fast and operate with that tempo without making mistakes without false starts without those kind of things when you don't have to worry about crowd noise because your own crowd is not going to be loud while you're on offense right when you're playing at home that's a different story on the road. Which you go back to the, to the pit games. One of the they still were very good against pit offensively, but that was they were not as stellar. They were not as prolific in that game. I think a big part of that was that even though pit doesn't have a raucous crowd there, they play in an NFL stadium. It's usually about half full. It was. It's still tougher for you to operate when you do have to contend with the crowd noise. But they're going to go with pace, which makes it really difficult for the defense to actually do exotic things. This is another thing, another layer of this that keeps the defense simple and makes it easy for them to attack a defense. And then when you have guys as talented and as athletic and fast as they are, especially a wide receiver, it makes it extremely difficult. On top of all of that, and also with the splits, also you know just go back to the the, the splits and how they use space. It also makes it really difficult to defend the run because again your secondary defenders, your safeties, and your star defenders, they are further away from the line of scrimmage. They're further away from the box. So you have got to be able, because they will run the football, guys. That's a misnomer with Tennessee. I know they, you know, when you watch the Alabama game, they were just throwing bombs left and right, but they will run the football if they have a light box. If they have favorable numbers in the box, they will run it on you. Now, one thing that we were able to do last year against them and this has been a concern of mine all year, is that you know, we were able to defend their r- rushing attack fairly well with even numbers in the box as we had Jordan Davis and we had Devontae Wyatt. We don't have those guys this year. Are we going to be able to defend them as successfully with even numbers in the box? I, I, I don't know if the answer is yes. I mean, it's probably, no, almost certainly we will not be, but will, will we still be successful enough defending them with even numbers in the box? I think that's a huge question here. Um, but how does it compare to the 2019 LSU offense? Is it as good? It's close, man. Uh, when you watch them play, I'm, I'm starting, the more and more I watch them play, I'm starting to get more and more the feeling that it's kind of one of those LSU type offenses that no matter how good you are on defense, no matter how good your coaches are, do we have an answer for it? Does any team out there have an answer? Like LSU, like we were really good. I know we were kind of banged up a little bit, but we were really good on defense in 2019. Offensively, we were a disaster, but we were really good on defense in 2019. And we still had no chance to stop LSU. And we came out and we tried to do some different stuff. Like we were playing, I, we were playing like Six DBs in that game as our base defense, and at times had seven defensive backs on the field. I think Kirby Smart learned from that. You know, if you hear him talk about things now, he's like, "Look, when you you face teams like this, you can't do anything crazy. Like, you're not going to be able to throw anything exotic at them that they haven't really seen. So you just have to try to do what you do better than what better than they do what they do. Right? It comes down to just execution. But I mean, I do get the feeling that. You know, it's more I watched them that they had that kind of LSU type offense where it's like, man, it's just a matter of like, can you get a stop? Can you force a turnover and then just maximize every single time you have the football and don't make mistakes when you have the football? Because that's kind of what it's come down to. Like, statistically, it's really close. LSU um, in 2019, which is the best offense I've ever seen up until this year. Uh, was 568 yards a game, 7.89 yards per play, 48.4 points per game, 47 punts. I'll come back to why I mentioned punts here in a second. Tennessee, right now, about 15 yards less per game, 553 points per game. Now, they haven't played Georgia, which is the best defense they're going to face all year. We'll see if it's good enough, but it's the best defense they're going to face all year. 7.4 yards per play, so about half a yard less than what LSU put up. They just run more plays, honestly, than LSU did. They go to a higher tempo. 49.4 points per game. Here's an interesting thing, though. So LSU, now, in, what was that? 15 games at 47 points. through seven or Through eight games now, Tennessee only has 18 punts. Which is crazy. So even if they end up playing fifteen games, like they're almost certainly going to come under that forty-seven punts number. Which what that tells you is either a they're going for a fourth down a lot, which is not necessarily the case, or b which I think is the case, they're just really good and really efficient, and they just continually and consistently move the change. But here's a um, here's a funny uh, funny number as well. So Tennessee's only punted the ball eighteen times. Charlie, do you want to take a guess at how many times the University of Georgia has punted this season? Not many. Eighteen.
2: 18. The exact
1: same. If okay. you look at the numbers, like we're not quite as prolific from a statistical standpoint as a Tennessee offense, but it ain't that far off. That's what nobody's talking about. It's not that far. People think it is, is because they're going back to antiquated Georgia offense in their mind. Like that, that's the that's the stereotype of the Georgia offense. It'll well, it always be.
2: I was reading somebody. You know, it's all over Twitter. One thing I was looking at today was time of possession. Yeah. Tennessee scores so fast, fast and then they give the ball right back. Right. Georgia is like we lead number, the number two in the nation on time of possession, yeah. and we have the same points yep. per game margin. Yep.
1: It's, it's interesting.
2: Yeah. T- totally different ends of the spectrum. Yeah.
1: Very different offenses, but both, I don't want to say equally as productive, but really, again, not that far off. All these people that want to sit here and say, well, well you know, Georgia can't hang with Tennessee – That to me, and I I told you guys before, I'm a psychology guy. That is what we call belief perseverance, okay? The idea that you have this belief about something and in the face of all the evidence to the contrary, you sit there and say, no, I'm I'm not buying it. I still believe what I believe. Even though you've been proven wrong in every single way, you still believe what you believe. And that's what happens with the Georgia offense when it comes to national media. They just have this mindset. It's a very fixed mindset that the Georgia offense is antiquated, old school, and we're not prolific. We're not... We're not, you know, at Tennessee's level, but if you look at it statistically, like again, we're not quite as explosive. We are not quite as prolific. I'm not saying that we are, but we are really not that far off. And the 18 point, 18 punts for both teams, I think, is just one thing that nobody's talking about. It's kind of indicative of that. So uh, I think statistically, it's very, very similar between those two teams. But when I look at the rosters, I look at the the players, the personnel that both teams had to operate with. I don't think that. Tennessee has the same type of personnel I don't think they're as good at running back they don't have a Clyde Edwards a uh, I don't think that as good as they are at receiver obviously Jalen Hyatt has come on of late and been really really dangerous for them Cedric Tillman's been hurt for a couple of weeks but he's back and he's a really good receiver and he was their top guy coming to the year Drew McCoy's I mean as good of a number three option as you're going to find in the entire country right now but none of those guys are Jamar Chase I don't think any of them are Justin Jefferson I mean, they had two dudes at LSU that are better than Anybody that I think Tennessee has this year, and that's not a slight to Tennessee's receivers. They are very, very good, very talented. And I respect them, but they're not Jamar Chase. They're not Justin Jefferson. And as good as Hinton Hooker is, I mean, you see Joe Burrow. I don't know. I mean, I know obviously he's a little bit more mobile. I I think it's more the system right now than it is. I mean, Hinton Hooker is very good, but he was like this is also the guy at Virginia Tech who was an afterthought. He transferred because he was not productive. He wasn't good. Like he couldn't win that job at Virginia Tech, and then you. You put him in this system here with Josh Hype, and all of a sudden, like he's now maybe the guy who's going to win the Heisman Trophy if things work out for me. Certainly in the conversation. So I just I don't think he's as good as Joe Burrow is, but he's still really really good. But I, I would probably still side with LSU. There's still more to this story. Obviously the story is not completely written yet, but right now based off what I've seen I'd still give the at least a slight edge to 2019 LSU offense.
2: Okay, so now that after you've given us all that information on the Tennessee offense, Justin wants to know how we scheme against Hyatt. Do we use double teams, press man? Is it possible to take him out of the game the same way we've tried to neutralize other standout players on other teams? What's your opinion on how we can basically
1: take him out of the game? Take
2: away Hyatt.
1: Charlie, that's easier said than done. This is another one of those questions I will go into a lot more detail on when I do the official preview episode. So make sure to check that out later this week, guys. You're not going to want to miss that one. I'm going to put a lot of time into that one. But just to give you a, some quick thoughts here on this, I don't think there is a way right now to completely take away everyone that Tennessee has. Because when you're talking about Jalen Hyatt, you have Cedric Tillman, you have Brew McCoy, you have the running backs that they have. I mean, Fant is actually a, a tight end that can actually hurt you if you don't pay attention to him. They have so many guys that can hurt you. And again, they spread the field. They use spacing so expertly that you can't fully take away all of them. You have to make decisions. And if you decide that Jalen Hyatt in the slot, he primarily plays in the slot, and at least I think that's where he's most dangerous. That's where he was just ripping Alabama apart in that game a couple weeks ago. If you decide it's Jalen Hyatt, then what are you going to have to do? I mean, you're going to, it's so tough to sit here and say you're going to double anybody. I don't. Know if we're gonna do that, we might try to play some coverages where we rotate towards him. I could see that potentially. I think zone coverage should be out of the question. Now you can't really do anything exclusively. You hear me say that all the time. You can't you can't be that predictable. But I would stay away from heavy doses of any kind of zone coverage where it's cover three I mean cover two I don't know why we'd run cover two in this game like straight cover two I just don't know why you'd do it I would stay away from like pure zone stuff here because you saw what they were able to do with Alabama when you play off them like that and you give them free releases which is what Alabama was doing for the first half of that game they are going to literally run right by you especially if you're not like at safety which Alabama is not so I don't think you can do that I think what you have to do and again I'll go into more detail with this in the preview episode I think you have to play matchup quarters and so you guys have those of you who listen to our um, our some of our off-season episodes when I do the scheme theme stuff, you know what I'm talking about when I talk about quarters. But quarters coverage, guys, technically, yes, it's cover four, right? So that's a type of zone coverage, but it's really not, especially if you play matchup quarters. What makes quarters really unique and special is that it te- I guess ostensibly, yes, it is a, a zone coverage, but it morphs into man more often than not, depending on how the offense is operating right. So with quarters coverage, basically the uh, the number one receiver the the cornerback has the number one receiver in man coverage if he goes vertical. The safety has the number two receiver, which would be the slot receiver, right? Jalen Hyatt. You asked him about specifically about Hyatt. With the, the safety would have him in in man coverage if he goes vertical. And it's the same on both sides, right? Now what I also like about quarters in this game is that it really also helps you get extra defenders in the box without having to. Start those defenders off in the box, right? Because what happens is the corner or the, the safeties—they are reading the, the release of the number two receiver. If the number two receiver releases in a pass route, then they play—they—they they play pass, basically, right? And so, if the number two receiver goes vertical, they have him in man coverage. They carry him vertically through the seam in man coverage. If the number two receiver breaks that route off and does not go vertical, then they can help over the top and, and provide. a a bracket coverage, like a double team, if you want to call it that, over the top to help num- to help the cornerback against the number, the number one receiver, which would be Cedric Tillman or Brew McCoy, right? So it's flexible there, has that flexibility. And then also, if they read run, though, if they read run off the release of that number two receiver, then the safeties trigger downhill in run support. So it, in effect, you can potentially get, so let's say we're operating with with uh, six guys in the box, you got four down linemen, and you got or three down linemen, an uh, outside linebacker, and two inside linebackers. Well, you could feasibly have eight guys in the box when the when the ball is run. When the ball hits the line of scrimmage if you're playing quarters if you're playing that quarters uh, you know, matchup stuff the press man stuff on the outside so I I favor that because again the Tennessee rushing attack can hurt you and that's what they do like they will run the football to try to get you to bring guys in that box and create more one-on-one opportunities outside so how can you defend against that how can you stay structurally sound and try to take away the big vertical shots down the field while at the same time still getting those extra bodies in the box the best way to do that is to play quarters now that makes you vulnerable to play action because if you're re- if you're rushing downhill to get your eyes in the wrong spot, and let's um, say like, you just read the quarterback and you see that he's given a run fake, and you come flying downhill, and then the number two receiver is giving like he, like a stock blocking, and then he runs vertical. Well, then you can get murdered there. So you have to be very very careful with your eye discipline. And Malachi Starks, you know, he got burned for that long touchdown against Florida. He's got to be very very careful. You know, they saw that, and of course they're going to try to attack that. So that's the coverage I would go with, Charlie. I think that's what I would run. I, again, I, I want to say exclusively, but I would run heavy, heavy doses of matchup quarters in this game. And and Kirby, you know, for a long time was a was a pattern match guy, which is is another way to say matchup zone. So I think we'll see a lot of that in this game. I don't, and it's not going to be perfect. Tennessee's awesome; they're going to get theirs on offense. We just have to get enough stops and try to force enough turnovers to um, give the ball back to our offense, and hopefully they can take care of their business.
2: Okay, so let's expand on that or add to it. Excuse me. Patrick wants to know, is there any doubt that Heupel and Hooker will go after Malachi Starks?
1: I mean, I just mentioned that. Yes. yes. They, a thousand right. percent, of course.
2: He lo- uh, Patrick loves Starks' athleticism and his outstanding feel for playing the ball in the air. But he's had some eye discipline issues in Jacksonville and he looked like a freshman at times.
1: You know, because, well... He oh, and, I mean, that was a 73, 74-yard touchdown pass. I mean, yes, he is a freshman, Charlie. I mean, yes. you know, go figure. He's been so good for us. He has looked like a veteran far more than he's looked like a freshman this year. He has to make some mistakes at times. Um, but as Curtis and I were talking about in the recap episode, I do feel like when he's made mistakes, he's learned from them. So I know this sounds crazy, Charlie. You never want to give up a 70-plus-yard touchdown pass and it'd be your fault. But can you argue, like, in a way... That might have actually been a good thing that he made that mistake there in that game and not against Tennessee.
2: Yes, yes. It was a good time to make a mistake that we were not penalized for it. I mean,
1: they scored, but we still won the game. Right. right. We were
2: able to win the game still by 22 points, if Mm -hmm. I remember correctly. You know, we would rather make that error against Florida than... And now
1: Kirby and the coaches. And we're taping
2: this before the rankings come out on Tuesday. Yes. So, you know, Tennessee is going to be one, two, or three.
1: Do you think Tennessee might be number one?
2: Um, I don't know. I don't know. The defense,
1: you know, the defense. Yes, the amount you of know points how much they respect give up. Bama gets. You know how much respect they get, and they. beat I don't Bama.
2: think they've gotten as much respect in the past year and a half as they did yeah, previously. But it's
1: the name, the Bama name, the mystique. I
2: still think it's slipping.
1: I will say we did beat Oregon 49-3, and Oregon has one loss right now. So there's that, right? And that was at a neutral side. It wasn't at home. We beat the holy hell out of them. So I think we'll probably be number one. But am I crazy to say I hope that Tennessee's number one?
2: I mean, I would like I for them to be – hope Tennessee's number yes, one. Yes, because then it's like we got to fight our way up the ladder. Like it's,
1: it's just – like you want every disrespect card you can play in this game. Like give Kirby every bit of ammunition you can possibly have to win this football game. And that would be just one more – sword in his uh what, what do you carry swords in charlie
2: sheath
1: his sheath yes is one that more, what it's how called? about this one more i think it is one more arrow in his quiver is that I, better there you um, go I don't You don't like know. that word the quiver one more arrow in his quiver one more gun in his arsenal
2: you hold a sword in a scat
1: a scabbard
2: is a sheath
1: a scabbard is a so a, so a scabbard is a name, type of it's a
2: type of sheath
1: Look at Charlie Google at things. our
2: fingertips. Look at Charlie things. The things we can things.
1: learn. Things we can learn. All right, so yeah, I, I actually, so I know we got off track there, but I do hope Tennessee's number one. I don't think that they will be, but I think there's a chance, and I, I hope, I'm praying actually that that happens. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm praying for that. But yeah, so I I, I am actually happy he made that mistake there, because now Kirby, now Glenn Schumann, now Will Muschamp have a teaching moment, and you know that Malachi Starks can go in this game, and he's heard all week about, I discipline, I discipline, I discipline, I discipline, and he has that memory fresh in his mind from what happened against Florida and that is the greatest teacher of all the coach can say things a million times but it might not stick the way that it will when you make that mistake and get seared into your brain so I actually think that might help us there and I know these are freshmen but here's what we have going for us to safety and you go back to the Alabama game I mentioned this after that game you got a lot of questions about Tennessee after that game and I said it at the time We match up better with Alabama or with Tennessee in the back end. Not great because nobody matches up great with them because of the way they structure their offense. But we match up better because we are better at safety. We are more athletic at safety, specifically with Malachi Starks. To a lesser degree, Chris Smith, but certainly with Malachi Starks. He is – you had a question earlier in in the year about is Malachi Starks already the best cover safety in Georgia history? And I think the answer is probably yes at this point in terms of like pure coverage from the safety position. So I think that does help us. We just got to make sure his eyes are in the right spot and he does not blow coverages and give up an easy six because that is what we cannot allow to happen. Simply cannot let that happen. But yeah, they're going to go after him, but um, hopefully he responds. I think he will. He's responded the right way all year. And I'm hoping that that remains the case this week.
2: Okay. Well, thank you for all of that information. I'm full of
1: information, Charlie.
2: Their offense versus our defense. So now let's flip it. Jamie wants to know if you think our run game or pass attack is more important in this matchup with Tennessee, yeah, which, yes, we're still talking about the pass attack, but... Focusing but it's our more passing the, game. Right, right.
1: Uh, this is an interesting question, because I think on the surface, if you look at numbers, you say, oh, well, you know, Tennessee is actually much better against the run defensively than they are against the pass. Statistically, they're very good against the run. They're only given up 2.9 yards per rush. That's actually, I mean, we hate to say it, guys, statistically... That's better than us right now. Uh, that's almost by a full yard. They're they've been statistically good against the run. They're giving up under a hundred yards a game, just like we are. Now we are actually giving up fewer rushing yards per game, but they are giving up fewer fewer uh, yards per rush. So they've been more efficient. I guess is how you would say that. And then on the flip side, they've been statistically terrible against the pass. They're giving up over 300 yards per game right now, guys. I mean, UT Martin put up about 300 on them uh, two weeks ago. So if you look at those numbers, okay, well, they're really good against the run. They're really bad against the pass. So I guess our passing game is going to be more important because that's where we can we can put up points. It's where we can have a lot of success just like Alabama did. But I would disagree slightly there. I still say that our run game – will be more important in this specific matchup with Tennessee. And it's not so much about them, it's more about us. Because that's how we operate. You know, I spent the past couple of weeks talking about how we finally started to embrace who we are offensively and the personnel that we have. And you might have seen that full embrace a couple days ago in Jacksonville against Florida. And I think that we are most, actually I don't think I know, the stats tell you, the numbers tell you this, we are most explosive in the past game when we are able to establish the run and operate off play action that is how we generate, that's how we have generated explosive passing plays the past couple years. We were one of the most explosive offenses in the entire country last year, and we were able to do that off of play action. So yes, our passing attack matters. We have to be able to throw the football in this game. But I think to get to the point where our passing attack can be as effective as we need it to be against Tennessee... We need to be able to operate off play action, and for us to be able to operate off play action, it has to be a credible threat. And for it to be a credible threat, we have to actually be able to run the football. So I'm going to say that we need our run game will be will hold more importance in this matchup with Tennessee. Obviously, they both matter. We've got to score points, but I don't think our passing attack is nearly as effective when we aren't able to run the football and teams don't respect our ability to operate off play action. That's just my opinion on that one. All right, Charlie, I know we got a ton more to go. It's a great start. You wanna take a quick break here? You wanna do yeah. this? All right. My bookie Charlie. Um I again I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't know if you have the numbers in front I of you. I made some money last weekend. I feel like you had a great weekend.
2: I wouldn't say great. I saved you were like great for eight like
1: three ish, Charlie. Right. Something like that, right?
2: I saved great By for my like I missed one game or two games. Well,
1: I mean that's a high so standard I had a for, very, that's a high standard for sports betting, Charlie.
2: Well, I hold myself to very high standards in all areas. I mean
1: eight and three?
2: Yeah, that was a good very I mean, good weekend. If
1: a unit is fifty bucks for you, which I don't know what your units are, then you're talking, you made like 250 bucks if you went eight and three.
2: Yeah. I mean, I had a very good weekend. You had a very good weekend. Yeah. But not, so not a great weekend. Listeners, take advantage of that as well.
1: It's simple, Charlie. All you got to do, mybookie.ag. We told you guys before, and this is not a shot at Charlie. It's just truth. Charlie's not a, a tech savvy kind of gal. And Charlie figured it out. Honestly, guys, I just sent Charlie the, the, the link to the site and she figured it out. I didn't have to tell her anything. I don't think she got help from anyone. I don't think, right, Charlie? No, I did so, not. It's easy, guys. It's super fast. A minute maybe tops mybookie.ag. Use the promo code UGA and you will be set up to make money just like Charlie did this weekend. With all of her picks and my picks, your own picks. You guys know football, you can make your own money. You don't really need us. We'd like to give you some 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 tips anyway. But make sure to do this today, guys, while you still can. Again, it's mybookie.ag. Use the promo code UGA to get a hundred percent bonus on your initial deposit for all new users. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Mother's Day is around the corner.
0: Okay, well now the next few
2: questions focus on Nolan Smith and when he went out of the game. So I'm going to read a few questions. So you want to put these
1: together. Yes. Okay. So
2: Art wants to know what's your take on the backup outside linebackers since Nolan went down. Not great. He says we seem vulnerable there, which I agree with. I'll let you dive into that. Steve wants to know what might be the impact of Nolan Smith's absence on the, fe- absence on the field. Excuse me. And do you think he still provides a vital leadership role simply from the sideline? I definitely think he will be invaluable on the sideline if he doesn't play. Now, this is Monday, and Kirby said he's probably not playing on Saturday. Doubtful
1: was the word he used, yep.
2: And it's still Monday. But do you believe a
1: word Kirby says when it comes to injuries? No, I I do not. That's
2: what I'm saying. He might not play the full game, but he might play some.
1: I think if there's any possible way. But I think if he
2: is at least on the sideline... I think that he is going to be working with his backups all week, in practice, outside of practice, studying with them, tutoring them, quizzing sure. them, all of that, and he is going to do everything he possibly can, even if he's not on the field on Saturday.
1: He's been such a such an incredible leader for this program for a while, man. He's such a vocal leader. Having him on the field, obviously, is is ideal. That's where you want. But everything you said is true, Charlie. I Kirby did seem pessimistic in terms of his chances to play this week he said the word doubtful he's I don't know for sure he's if he's out but he's doubtful and it's not a shoulder injury like we initially thought maybe it was a separated shoulder it's a pec injury my concern he Kirby was talking about getting uh second opinions right when you usually when you get a second opinion Charlie it's because the first opinion wasn't what you wanted to hear right right so that's concerning to me potentially there I don't know maybe they're just seeing specialists I don't know but. If it's a pec injury, and if it's a torn pec, which, I mean, I, I'm speculating there. I don't know, but I'm kind of reading between the lines here. I mean, he might be out the rest of the year, potentially, potentially, because that's a that's a tough one to recover from. Um, I I do not think he'll be out there. I'm not anticipating him playing. But, again, with Kirby, you just, like, you take everything Kirby says about injuries with a grain of salt. I mean, he, if you listen to Kirby's press conferences like I do, listen to every one that this guy ever does, and, uh, you know, I've been convinced A.D. Mitchell's going to play every week for, like, the past month. But, you know, game day comes, like, oh, no, A.D.'s not playing. It's like, oh. Okay. All right. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, you know, take it with a grain of salt, whether it's good news or bad news. We're just going to have to wait and see. But I, I, personally, I'm probably pessimistic. Now, I do, I agree with you, Charlie, that if there's any chance that he can come out there and play, if it's just like a pain tolerance thing, he plays, right? Absolutely. But if it's a structural thing, because this guy has an NFL future. Where he could make it worse, he's not going to play Kirby. Our our coaches should not let him play. Honestly, if he could make it worse, and also there's you know if he can't actually perform his duties out there, like because you know what what was being reported during the game, if I remember correctly, on the rewatch is that he couldn't press, he couldn't push off like his teammates, right? Right. So if you can't push off your teammates, how are you going to be able to hold the point of attack against the run? in an SEC matchup in the trenches. And if you can't do that, then this, as good as you are, you're a liability. You're not your normal self. So again, I, I I think he's not playing. Going to Art's question, what's my take on the play of the backups once he went down? Well, I mean, it wasn't great, guys. I mean, Robert Beal is a, a really solid, valuable player for us. Robert Beal's never been an elite dynamic player ever. You know, this is a guy for the first three years on campus just really didn't play. Now we had a, a hellaciously good outside linebacker room there for a while was used to be it's funny how that used to be the strength of the team like like two or three years ago and now it's the thinnest position in terms of quality talent that we have. I mean Marvin Jones Jr. is a really highly talented guy that we got out of high school last year as a true freshman has basically played no meaningful snaps. He had the flu last week Kirby said he would have played some if he was not sick, but he was sick and couldn't play. Does he play more in this game? Maybe. I mean I'm sure he'll probably get some more snaps, but I mean we ready to put our trust in, in a guy as highly talented as he might be, as highly recruited as he was, that hasn't played any meaningful snaps in this game, as we said at the outset, probably, at least as far as I'm concerned, the biggest game in the history of Sanford Stadium. Is he ready for that moment? I don't know if I'm that confident there, guys. I think, Robert, what you're going to see here in this matchup, I think we're going to see Robert Beal take on more snaps which, I mean, he's our best option there. You know, he did lead the team in sacks last year. Hasn't really been racking him up this year. But, you know, he's a guy that we, we can at least trust to know what to do, and he can hold the point of attack. Now, he's not as good of a run defender as, as Nolan is. Maybe a little bit of a more polished pass rusher. Not the athlete Nolan is. He doesn't have the versatility Nolan has, and that concerns me against a guy like Hinden Hooker who can take off and hurt you with his legs the way that he has. You want as many athletes as you can possibly have out there on the field. So Beal, as good as he is at times, is not that kind of athlete and that concerns me. So I I, I don't know how we're going to play this. And it's actually one of the things I'm very curious about watching in this game. I mean, here's one thing I will say. Chas Chambliss cannot be on the field in this game. I mean, Chas did an admirable job trying to come in. You know, he's been hurt most of the year with a hamstring that he's been dealing with. And, you know, a short notice and not knowing that he was going to play as much as he did. Did a nice job. On Saturday against Florida, but Chaz Chambliss is not. I mean, as an athlete, he's a liability out there on the field against this type of offense. Now there are some kind of offenses that Chaz can be a, a, a contributor against. This ain't one of them. Like Chaz Chambliss cannot play snaps in this game because they will see that and they will exploit that, and that's not going to work well for us. So I and I, I don't try to. I really hate criticizing your guys. I mean, I, I love Chaz, I respect Chaz, but in this matchup, it just ain't a good matchup, man. It's just not. So I don't like that one. Now what you might see. Especially on third downs, I think on standard downs, Robert Beals can get the lion's share of those of of those opportunities. Because we have to ask him athleticism. You know, part of me thought, well, maybe we'll go with like you know, Michael Williams over there playing outside linebacker, and he has athleticism to be able to do that. I mean, he's about as athletic, if not more athletic, than Robert Beal. Now, he's not Nolan Smith level athleticism, but. You know, if you want to get a talented guy who has some experience this year that has some good, has a good level of athleticism, maybe he's going to see some snaps there in certain packages and downs and distances. I, I would not be surprised to see that. And on third downs, maybe you see a guy like Jalen Walker who's starting to come in and play a little bit more on third downs. Um, I don't like him. He, he can't play that spot on standard downs consistently because he's not going to hold up against the run as well. Maybe a guy like Xavier Ansori, who's played some of those third down roles for us earlier this year coming off the bench in our dime package. You know, he's a guy in high school that was kind of a tweener. He's gonna be inside and be outside linebacker. There's always that question there. So he has experience playing on the edge. Now he hasn't done a ton of it in the college level, but he has some background doing that. So does he find a way to fill in some to fill in a role there in certain situations? You know, down in distances as well. So there's some options there, but obviously in this kind of matchup against this team and the way they operate, putting guys in space who want as many athletes on the field and not having Nolan Smith out there with his versatility, the way that he can defend the run, the athleticism he brings to the table out there as well, it's a really tough loss. And in fact, I would argue that that was the position that we could probably least afford an injury at. Like on our defense, he might be the guy that we at least afford to have injured because we just don't have the quality depth at that position the way that we once had. That room has got run down real quick. And, uh, man, it hurts. It absolutely hurts if he cannot play. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat that one, guys. That is a big, big loss for us if he cannot go.
2: Okay. Well, continuing on with Nolan Smith, but adding in some other players here, Eric wants to know, um, other than Jalen Carter, who's going to step up and fill the void left by Nolan Smith and Dan Jackson?
1: I mean, Nolan Smith, I just mentioned some of the guys, you know, Michael Williams potentially. I think you might see some of these guys, some of these uh linebackers that we use as pass rushers in third down situations, there's Jalen Walker, Xavier Um At times, maybe you see Terry Ingram Dawkins. And if it's short yardage, you know, situationally, we could work in a guy like that. I think this, I think this is going to be, Charlie. It's going to be like by committee. Cause we don't have one guy that does everything that Nolan does. We have some guys that can do some of what Nolan does, So I think what you're going to have to do there is mix and match and do it situationally. But Tennessee makes it really hard to do it situationally because they run at that tempo and they don't really sub much. So if they're not subbing, we're not going to be able to run our guys in and off the field. So that's going to make it really tough. So I I don't know. We'll find out what the answer is. The coaches are going to have to earn their money this week trying to find an answer there because I just don't know what the answer is going to be against a team that's this talented offensively. Um, In terms of Dan Jackson we I'm curious to see if we try to come out and do something similar to what we did against LSU in 2019. Obviously that did not work out very well and again I'll kind of just read between the lines of what Kirby has been saying in some of his press conferences. Not even just this year but in you know going back to last year as well. Like you know when you play an offense that's different, it's not so much unless it's like a triple option offense. It's not so much about doing things different trying to surprise them. Like they've seen a lot of different things. Like Mississippi State seen like every different look you can throw at them. But you just got to do what you do. And just do it really well, and do it better than what they than they do what they do. It's really what it comes down to. Um, but so if we go with extra DBs on the field, it wouldn't surprise me to see a guy like Dalen Everett out there, Charlie. Dalen Everett's a guy I'm really high on at cornerback, and you need guys that can cover. I mean, that, that's the reality. You need guys that can flat out cover their receivers. And Dalen Everett, I mean, he's that first DB off the bench our first cornerback off the bench for us. In fact, I thought there were times this year where like maybe he was gonna be pushing Jalen Kimber a little bit for that spot. And I know Kirby and the coach staff are really high on him. So if there's an extra DB that we throw out there on the field, I don't think it has to be a safety. I think it could be a cover guy like Dalen Everett. I think he might be the one.
2: All right. Well, let's stay with the Jalen Carter talk for just a second. Webb says he forgot how good Jalen Carter actually is since we haven't seen him play in a few weeks. So do you think he'll be able to play more snaps this week?
1: Um, He damn well better, Charlie, because we talk about needing guys. You know, one thing that Hooker struggles with, Hooker does not struggle so much with edge rushes because what he does, he's very, very, very skilled at taking off up the middle of the defense, right? If you if you try to pressure him from the outside from the edges there and you create those rushing lanes, you get too far upfield. He is very very skilled at sensing that, seeing those lanes and taking off and hurting you with his legs. What he struggles with is when you take away his ability to escape through the middle of the defense. When you pressure him in his face from the interior of that defensive line, you do it with a disciplined pass rush, he really struggles. That one interception he threw against Alabama if you remember Charlie, that was—I don't know if you remember that play. He had a rush right in his face, and he couldn't step in the throw. He couldn't really see very well. Threw the ball up, and it got picked. Right, so that's what we need to be able to do to kind of take him out of his game. And who is the one player we have defensively, Charlie? Who is an animal on the interior as a pass rusher? It's Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter, and he played third downs against Tennessee, and that's or against Florida. That's great. We need Jalen Carter to play. I mean, Charlie, seventy-five percent of the snaps this this week. I'm not even kidding. And I know he's just coming back from a knee injury, and his conditioning is going to be. It's not going to be quite there. He's just going to have to like. He's going to have to give us his best effort if he's if he's healthy. And Kirby said he that Jalen said he felt good after the game. We need as much Jalen Carter as humanly possible. I think Warren Brinson is also a guy that's been disrupted from the interior of, of the defensive line this year. So I think Warren and Jalen Carter are both going to have to tag team that. But we need as much Jalen as we can possibly get. I do have concerns there because he's come up the the knee injury. He seemed fine on Saturday. But as the volume of reps ticks up, will it start to hamper him a little bit? I don't know the answer to that question, but we need as much out of Jalen Carter as we can humanly get. A superhuman effort, Charlie, is what I would take.
2: Okay, so let's keep going with the defensive theme here. Trey says the defensive numbers show how this game will play out. He says Tennessee is all hat and no cattle or bringing a knife to a gunfight. You can pick your cliche, he says. We are a complete team and they will be found wanting. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I do agree that we are a more complete team, Trey. I do. And we have more talent up and down our roster but my concern is there are some some holes, some deficiencies on this team. Receiver, Curtis and I have been very clear about that. I've been very vocal about that. I don't think we're great at receiver, especially AD Mitchell. If AD's back in this game and he's able to be full on ADs 100%, which I think that's a pipe dream. But if he is or close to it, then that could change things. But right now, we are not getting separation consistently without having to scheme it up, which is fine. We can scheme it up because we've been very good at that. And we're still averaging, you know, 550 yards a game. Like we're right there with Tennessee in terms of like overall production. But I do have some concerns there. I have some concerns about our ability to defend the run with even numbers in the box the way that we have in the past. And we haven't really been challenged that that way this year, guys. I mean, I know that Auburn has some good running backs, and you know, they have a good they have a, a mobile quarterback, but they can't they can't challenge you through the air. So it doesn't put as much stress on the defense. Uh, I mean, you look at Florida. They run the ball extraordinarily well. I mean, they were leading the country in yards per rush coming in last week, and we held them 2.9 yards per rush, and it was our best rush effort all year rush defense effort all year I mean I was very excited they had a couple plays in second half but I was still very excited what we were able to do balling up that very very dynamic rushing attack but they cannot hurt you with the pass game so you can kind of load up against the run in a way that I don't think that we're going to be able to do against Tennessee so that does concern me they just make it really really hard on the defense but I do agree that, you know, if you look at it in totality, Tennessee's offense is better than ours. I'll lay out some of these numbers for you when we do our preview episode. But um, they, their offense is slightly more productive than ours. It is pretty much all around, but not that far off, right? But defensively, while they have been statistically good against the run, overall, it's night and day on defense. So from that perspective, yes, we are a more well-rounded team. We are at home. I do hope that affects their ability to actually operate this, this tempo-based offense. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, bringing a knife to a gunfight. Tennessee's good, dude. Like, I have a lot of respect for them. I don't like saying that, but they are really good. I try to call it as I see it. I try to be objective here. All hat, no cattle. I I don't know if I believe that, man. I think Tennessee is really, really good. And if we win this game, I think we're going to have to freaking earn it, man. I think it's gonna be a hard fought battle. I hope I'm wrong here. Like when I saw the the initial line, I think it's moved down a little bit now. Charlie, when you saw that initial line, twelve and a half. What were your thoughts?
2: Um. Okay, here's my rationale. Rationale. You get 3 points for home game.
1: For being the home team, sure.
2: I give you 3 more points for noise.
1: But that the noise is baked into the 3 points that the home team gets.
2: But I bake in another
1: 3. Because this is like this game specifically. I think that this
2: is a really big game, and I think that our fans will be louder than normal.
1: Let's hope they will. Think about the
2: Arkansas game last year. Was that last year? Yeah, yeah, that was last year. And the Kentucky game. I mean, they couldn't even get the first playoff on offense. Like they, they had no chance, right? Yeah,
1: you're right about that.
2: I give you another three. Your
1: boy Sam about had an aneurysm.
2: There, I know. Bless his I heart. I thought he was going
1: to die on the field. Bless
2: his heart. So that's another three. That's that's six. So then another touchdown. So basically it's one touchdown. So
1: I think we're one touchdown barrel on neutral sites, is what you're saying? Yes. It's an interesting way to look at it. So you're just giving extra points for crowd advantage because of the yes. magnitude of the game.
2: Absolutely. And we have not had Twelve a good home a game. We have not no, had we, a good home have, game.
1: We have been desperate for a good home game.
2: Haven't had this one. This is as
1: good as it gets. I know there's people out there that Matt. Like, what, I know you hate night games, Charlie. Wouldn't this one be even better if it was at night though?
2: I, I would be kind of afraid, quite honestly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I just hope that we don't have a lot of Georgia fans telling tickets to Tennessee fans. I mean there's I gonna, don't the, think
2: we will. There's gonna be some. When orange you in the think stadium. about but I just better
1: not be sitting next to Tennessee fans, I will lose my mind.
2: Well you have an aisle seat, which is why you have those tickets. Mind. But
1: if my, I if, don't ooh. think that
2: will happen. If we have so many fans willing to overtake Notre Dame Willing to overtake, um, give me another one. Uh, any stadium Every game go we got the Rose Bowl. Yes. Okay, if we have that many fans willing to buy tickets for away games,
1: mm-hmm.
2: especially South Bend, that's not close by, right? No, it's if not. you, if we can do that, there are going to be plenty of Georgia fans who are trying to get those tickets and will offer to pay more to get them.
1: And we don't have many good home games. We haven't for no, years. So this is why this is not, like why you buy season yeah. tickets. You don't buy season tickets for Vanderbilt. You and buy people for are probably
2: like selling tickets to people that they know.
1: I hope to God that's true, Charlie. I mean there's about a thousand tickets on, on StubHub right now. And I don't know how many there were a couple weeks ago. I don't know. I I maybe I'm just worried about nothing, but I am at least slightly concerned about that. I guess I would say. I don't know. It's a little bit of a concern for me. All right. I think I answered that question. I think so. You want to keep moving on here?
2: Yeah, okay. All right, you want to do a break real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Okay.
1: real quick, guys. Sorry to cut you off there, Charlie. Go but-
2: to Alumni Hall and pick up some new gear because it was not nice in Jacksonville.
1: It was not nice.
2: You might need to get a
1: poncho. It was nice on Friday. Or some
2: other... You know, apparel or paraphernalia for this weekend. It's be kind of warm this weekend. Maybe go pick yourself up a new T-shirt, new polo.
1: But winter is coming, Charlie. But winter
2: is coming, and also the holidays are coming.
1: Do you understand that reference? Winter is coming. No, you do not. do Is
2: that from like Game of Thrones <gasps> or something? I'm just,
1: I'm I, so impressed that you even knew that.
2: Never seen it. I just know that it's very cold in that show from the.
1: Winter is posters like i've seen phrase. okay so you well, saw on a poster somewhere on an ad okay i i
2: mean i didn't well, at least see the, the, didn't see the words they just look very cold oh, and miserable oh i mean
1: that's that's intelligence um, there charlie and so
2: you won't be cold and miserable if you go to alumni hall and pick up some new warm clothes you for a loved one for the holidays or maybe they need a new coffee cup like i do i can always use a new coffee cup Ooh, or maybe a new turvis tumbler those are always nice to have especially with the lid like the then, one you're sitting
1: here drinking out of yes right now. because
2: then if you knock it over it doesn't spill everywhere which i have a tendency to do well, you have the
1: national championship one i don't know if they're still selling that probably i think so
2: i think you could find that for a long time, time.
1: probably yeah. we don't ever live that one we, no. we, we, we let that live forever
2: if you need hats Always have a oh, nice hat. Hats.
1: All sorts of hats there.
2: Might want to buy a sign for someone so they can decorate.
1: Game day signs. Game they day have, is to town. They have
2: tents. They have tailgate gear. Especially if you're coming out this weekend to tailgate. Or if you're tailgating at home, you might need some extra things because it's going to be nice. So you might want to set up your tailgate outside.
1: Absolutely. It's not going to be
2: 95 degrees. It'll be perfect.
1: I feel like you're better at this than I am, Charlie.
2: I'm better at a lot of things. Oh,
1: probably. But take her word for it, guys. She's not wrong. Alumni Hall is the place to go for all your Georgia gear and accessory needs because it is where the Bulldogs shop.
0: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. you're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads dot com.
2: All right. Carter has our next question, and this is about Keely Ringo, which I know you've been talking about yeah so how is keely ringo playing to your trained eye carter says it seems like he has a lot of receivers getting behind him
1: keely is a really talented player keely is tall long and very fast he and will very forever athletic. be remembered He's for
2: the pick six in, in the national like championship his... however that doesn't mean you can't improve and get better
1: Yes, and he has been better this year. You know, there were times last year, or not as a first-year player, really, because he didn't play his freshman year because he was dealing with a shoulder injury. You know, he he came along as last year progressed. This year, he's been good, but there have been some signs that you know he is vulnerable to, like you say, there Carter, letting guys get behind him at times. I think the one thing that hurts Keeley at times, he's very fast, he's very athletic, he seems to be, and this is just, I mean, I appreciate you saying my trained eye. I don't know how trained it is, but for my semi-trained eye he seems to be somewhat stiff in the hips, which is not good for cornerbacks. And I, he has trouble changing direction in a quick pace, right? So I think that's sometimes why when guys get behind him is that number one, it's, he doesn't flip his hips as easily, as effortlessly as, as I think you would like in a cornerback. He has the ideal size, length, speed, all that, but the flipping of the hips... Just and that takes a, a, a split second longer, and some of those guys might get behind. Now he typically can catch up because he is so fast and so athletic, and he's so long and that helps him as well. But I, I do think the hips are a slight issue for him at times. And I think it's also one of the reasons why he kind of panics because he's the thing is Keeley is usually more often than not he's in phase in position to make a play. I have been hard on him in terms, and not just him, Laster as well. Our our cornerbacks in general have been good, like in phase most of the time, but when they're challenged in some of those tight windows, like just make a play on the ball. They have not consistently done that. And Keely's mistimed a couple of jumps as we, we pointed out on the recap episode, but I think he's largely been good for us. And yes, there have been some times where guys are running up behind him, but that happens with every single, you know, cornerback out there. There's no, there's no such thing as a shutdown corner anymore with, how the rules have been changed to favor offenses. I think he's physical at the point of attack. He gets his hands on them pretty well and, and can redirect guys. But I mean, yeah, there are times where guys get behind him, And, and when that happens, uh, he needs to be able to make more consistent plays in the football. There's no doubt about that for sure.
2: Okay. Jay Rake wants to know what is up with all the dropped passes? Does someone need to donate an extra jugs machine? And also he thinks it's time Kyrus, Marcus me, Jack Saint and Blaylock start getting more reps than Ladd McConkie. He wasn't having a great day there to start out. I mean, out. he
1: dropped the ball. He did, and that has become a problem. I mean, it's in his head at this point, Charlie. It's borderline. I don't even like to say it out loud. I mean, so I'm not knocking what I'm saying. It's like borderline the yips right now. Um, here's why those why Lad plays over those guys. Lad can get open. All right, Lad can create separation better than those guys. Those guys don't create consistent separation. I really love Marcus Rosemey-Jackson. I've waxed poetic about him several times this season. He does not create consistent separation. Kiaris Jackson, same thing. Dominic Blaylock, same thing, especially coming off two ACLs. Ladd is the one guy we have on the roster right now that's healthy in the absence of A.D. Mitchell that can create separation with the way he runs routes and his quickness in and out of breaks. That is why he is out there as consistently as he is. Now, it doesn't do you much good to create separation and get open, when you are dropping balls right now. But I, I do think it's a little overplay. Like, yes, he dropped that ball. And that, that was the big play opportunity. In a closer game against Tennessee, you have to catch that ball. You know, early in the year, had a, what was it? Was it the Kent State game, Charlie? I want to say it was the Kent State game, right? Yes. The Kent State game was horrific, man. I mean, it's about as bad of a game as I've seen from a Georgia wide receiver in a, in a long time. And there's no sugarcoating that. It was what it was. But this year, and going back to last year, he's also made some really nice catches for us. He's made some tough catches for us. So, I mean... It's 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 tough, man. I get what you're saying. You've got to catch the football. That's priority number one as a receiver. If you can't catch the football, you cannot play. But I, I don't want to. I, I know there's some high profile drops that he's had that have been like at the forefront of our minds. But he's also made a lot of really good plays for us. And again, in terms with with an offense that has that has trouble with the receivers creating consistent separation, you have one guy that does that fairly well, he's better than the other guys. It's hard to take him off the field, especially when you see him in practice out there. Catching balls the way he does, I do. I will continue to say. I know it sounds like I'm just making excuses for that. I know, but I mean, he was dealing with a turf toe injury for a while there, guys. I know it's, it seems like for the bye week, it's getting better and better, but he was missing a lot of reps in practice. And I know you can sit, sit there and catch the ball, you know, a guy just throwing it to you, but that's one thing. When you're actually out there running routes, you have to get your head around real quickly on the ball, and you're out there against actual live defenders. It's a different thing. So I do think that. I don't know if it added some level of rust to his to his game. I don't know, but I don't think that helped. I, I don't make too many excuses there, because you got to catch your freaking football. There's no doubt about that, but I certainly don't think the injury there helped at all.
2: Okay, we have a few more questions left, but we're going to continue talking about wide receiver play here. Darren wants to know if we can win another national championship with what he calls mediocre, at best, wide receiver play. Um, he wants to know even if or when AD comes back, Will that position group continue to be the only weakness on an otherwise elite
1: roster? Charlie, real quick aside here. Are we getting to the point where
2: Where is he? Is he coming we, back? Is he we, alive? Is he yeah. in hiding?
1: Are we Yeah, are, exactly. Are we at the point like does he have two legs still?
2: I know there have been sightings, but like
1: the, we We're told there have been sightings. I mean, I don't Wasn't know. Was it really him? Like I don't when he know. Came out, when the, when there's a number 5 that said Mitchell on the back of his jersey yeah. against Auburn, was that really 80 Mitchell? Like I I have no idea, Charlie. Like it's like his ankle has just, like, disintegrated and fallen off. And
2: I hope that it hasn't, but I mean, wow. Like,
1: high ankle sprains are tough. We're talking about, this is over two months now, Charlie. Yeah. And, and Arian Smith, who reportedly was not to have to have surgery. I don't think he ended up having to have surgery, but we were told, Kirby himself said, AD's injury, his ankle is not as bad as Arian's. Arian was back in less than two months, Charlie. I know he hasn't played a ton, but he was back in less than two months. He was back week five at Missouri. AD has been, not played a... I guess he's played what five snaps against Auburn but has essentially not played since the first series of the second game of the year Charlie it is November okay by the time everyone's listening to this it is November and the man has not been seen it's crazy to me. I don't understand I don't understand Look, I know the guy's sir. I know he wants to play but I'm just baffled man it's it's tough it's tough you gotta wonder if it's more serious than Kirby let which clearly it is but even if when he comes back, um was this, so the question was, can we win a natty? Well, we won the natty last year, Charlie, with I mean, I think worse wide receiver play is not the way to say it, but wide receiver play that was not as good as what we have this year.
2: Wasn't exceptional.
1: No, it was not and
2: exceptionally like, great. We
1: don't he's right, like we we are a mediocre at wide receiver right now without AD. But if AD comes back and he can be like the AD that we expected him to be and that he was before the injury then all of a sudden I do think that changes the calculus here, but last year there was no George Pickens, you know, AD was a freshman, made some plays for us, but he wasn't ready to be that guy, Lad did some really good things for us, but he wasn't a full-time starter for us, Jermaine Bergman was in and out of the lineup, Marcus Rosemey-Jack Saint was, you know, solid for us, does what he does, the same thing he's doing this year, Kiaris was hurt for most of the year, Arian was hurt for most of the year, this year I, I do think that, you know, and we have dominant Blaylock back this year, he's made some plays for us this year, so like I don't think it's like, heads and shoulders above better than last year, but I do think our wide receiver play is better this year. And with AAD potentially coming back, it has the potential to to get a a good bit better. So yeah, I mean, we won it last year. I know the defense is not as good this year. I understand that. We're going to have to rely more on the offense, but our offense is far more productive as explosive as our offense was last year our offense has taken to the next level this year I mean statistically this is the best offense in Georgia history which is what I predicted it to be coming into the season I know sometimes it hasn't always felt that way but the numbers say what the numbers say from a statistical standpoint it has been the most productive and prolific offense in Georgia history so while the defense has taken at least a slight step back and, I, and we are not as dominant as we were last year defense. we're still really good but we're not as dominant the offense has taken that next step so yeah I think that we can if we embrace who we are on offense which I think as I've said for several weeks now I think that we are so yeah I think that we can I I would love to have better wide receiver play there's no doubt but uh, I think we can still do it
2: okay our last question today it comes from Guy and it has to do with turnovers he wants to know what's going on with the turnovers says a turnover margin of zero for the season considering our schedule is insane is that bad luck a sign of trouble can it be fixed and can we beat Tennessee if we give the offense extra possession?
1: Well, the last part, no,
2: no, negative, absolutely no. not, can't no. happen.
1: If we play the way that if we play the way so, that we played,
2: boys, practice catching this week.
1: Yeah. I mean if we play the way that we played in the first half we win this game Charlie right the way we played in the first half against Florida
2: Yes absolutely
1: cuz that was I mean that was that take, was good Georgia
2: The third quarter take it out
1: Yeah if we played Throw the way that we played in the out. third quarter exactly we are not winning this football game like you cannot you're exactly right guy you cannot turn over the ball that with, with that in in the way that we did you know in, in successive possessions and allow them to to re to regain momentum after we had completely taken away all life from this floor team, we gave them life. You cannot do that to Tennessee. So, no, like we, we cannot win if we do that. So we're going to protect the football. What's going on with the turnovers? You're right. I mean, now we are flat at a zero for turnover margin. That's um not ideal. We want to improve on that. Now I will say that turnover margin usually it's one of those, it's a luck factor thing. It's it's one of those weird things where usually every team, if you have a bad turnover margin, one year the next year the the ball bounces your way and the luck changes and boom now your turnover margin improves right so there's there's a level of luck involved in it you know especially in terms of like you know not creating more turnovers now part of the reason we haven't created more turnovers defensively is that we don't have dynamic pass rushers we're not as disruptive as we were last year that's certainly part of it but there's also some luck involved there i know our coaches emphasize it they don't emphasize it any less than they emphasized it last year or the year before the year before that but this year we just haven't had as much success for those turnovers. That's what it comes down to. We haven't turned the ball over a ton offensively. I mean Stetson threw two picks on Saturday against Florida. Those were his second and third interceptions of the entire year. So Stetson's done a really good job protecting the football. I know Kenny's had some fumbles there. I know uh, Lads had a you know had a muff punt, then he had a fumble in the same game. So there's been a couple of times where we've put the ball on the ground, which we cannot do. Um, but I mean I think Stetson's protecting the ball well very well for the most part this season absent you know the Florida game but the reality is we just haven't created enough turnovers and that's something that needs to change against Tennessee we've got to create some turnovers because you know stopping that offense on downs or forcing a punt on a consistent basis is going to be tough we need to force turnovers create short fields for ourselves create scores for ourselves and that can help us I don't know if we'll run away from the game but that can help us create enough separation to find a way to win this football game but all right guys I know I know there are a lot of you listening and you sending questions and we have not had a chance to get to them but we have got to get out of here today we've gone for about an hour and 15 minutes we've gone as long as we can go here today guys we got some of things that we got to take care of so i'm sorry about that we got to do as many minutes as we can but we are not done with tennessee talk i'll be back with our official preview episode later this week and then charlie will be back with me to wrap things up with our official picks of the week and that is where we will give you our official georgia tennessee picks so make sure to check back later this week guys got a lot of great stuff for you but thank you for being here guys got a big one this week obviously Obviously, again, if you have tickets, please, if you want to sell them, I get it. Please try to sell them to Georgia fans. We want as much red and black in that stadium as there rightfully should be. It's a big one. But thank you guys for being here. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always, Go dogs.